Chapter Eight of Mr. Waddington of Wick by May Sinclair. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Eight, Part One. The Ballinger affair did not end with a demonstration in the town hall. It had unforeseen and far-reaching consequences the first of these appeared in a letter which mr waddington received from mr hitchin dear sir regarding my estimate for decoration and additional building to mrs levitt's house i beg to inform you that recent circumstances have rendered it impossible for me to take up the contract i must therefore request you to transfer your esteemed order to some other firm faithfully yours thomas hitchin mr hitchin expressed his attitude even more clearly to the foreman of his works i'm not going to build bathrooms and boudoirs and bedrooms for that blank the word he chose completed the alliteration so that mr waddington was compelled to employ a cheltenham builder whose estimate exceeded mr hitchin's estimate by thirty pounds and mr hitchin's refusal was felt even by people who resented his estimates to be a moral protest that did him credit it impressed the popular imagination in the popular imagination mrs levitt was now inextricably mixed up with the ballinger affair public sympathy was all with ballinger turned out of his house and forced to take refuge with his wife's father at medlicott forced to trudge two and a half miles every day to his work and back again the rector and major markham of wick wold meditating on the ballinger affair as they walked back that night from the town hall pronounced it a mystery it wasn't likely major markham said that ballinger of his own initiative would leave a comfortable house in sheep street for a damp cottage in lower wick was it likely the rector said that waddington would turn him out he couldn't believe that old waddington would do anything of the sort unless major markham suggested he's been got at mrs levitt may have got at him he was a good sort old waddy but he would be very weak in the hands of a clever unscrupulous woman the rector said he thought there was no harm in mrs levitt and major markham replied that he didn't like the look of her a vague scandal rose in wick on the hill it went from mouth to mouth in bar parlours and back shops major markham transported it in his motor-car from wick wold to the halls and manors of winchway and chipping kingdon and norton in mark it got an even firmer footing in the county than in wick with the consequence that one old lady withdrew her subscription to the league and that when mr waddington started on his campaign of rounding up the county the county refused to be rounded up and the big towns gloucester cheltenham and sirenster was singularly apathetic it was intimated to mr waddington that if the local authorities saw fit to take the matter up no doubt something would be done but the big towns were not anxious for a national league of liberty imposed on them from wick on the hill the league did not die of mrs levitt all at once very soon after the inaugural meeting the committee sat at lower wick manor and appointed mr waddington president it arranged a series of monthly meetings in the town hall at which mr waddington would speak that said fanny will give you something to look forward to every month thus on saturday the nineteenth of july he would speak on the truth about bolshevism 
it was also decided that the league could be made very useful during by-elections in the county if there ever were any and mr waddington prepared in fancy a great speech which he could use for electioneering purposes on july the nineteenth seventeen people counting fanny and barbara came to the meeting sir john corbett lady corbett was unfortunately unable to attend the rector without his wife major markham of wickwold mr bostock of parsons bank kimber and partridge and annie trinder from the manor the landlady of the white hart the butcher the grocer and the fishmonger with whom mr waddington dealt three farmers who approved of his determination to keep down wages and mrs levitt when he sat down and drank water there was a feeble clapping led by mrs levitt sir john and the rector on august the sixteenth the audience had shrunk to mrs levitt kimber and partridge the butcher one of the three farmers and a visitor staying at the white hart mr waddington spoke on what the league can do owing to a sudden unforeseen shortage in his ideas he was obliged to fall back on his electioneering speech and show how useful the league would be if at any time there were a by-election in the county the pop-pop-popping of mrs levitt's hands burst into a silent space nobody not even kimber or partridge was going to follow mrs levitt's lead you'll have to give it up fanny said next time there won't be anybody but mrs levitt and with the vision before him of all those foolish empty benches and mrs levitt pop-pop-popping dear brave woman all by herself mr waddington admitted that he would have to give it up not that he owned himself beaten not that he gave up his opinion of the league it's a bit too big for em he said they can't grasp it sleepy minds you can't rouse em if they won't be roused he emerged from his defeat with an unbroken sense of intellectual superiority part two thus the league languished and died out and mr waddington in the absence of this field for personal activity languished too in spite of his intellectual superiority perhaps because of it he languished till barbara pointed out to him that the situation had its advantages at last he could go on with his book if you can only start him on it and keep him at it fanny said i'll bless you forever but it was not easy either to start him or to keep him at it to begin with as ralph had warned her the work itself ramblings through the cotswolds was in an appalling mess and mr waddington seemed to have exhausted his original impetus in getting it into that mess he had set out on his ramblings without any settled plan a rambler he said shouldn't have a settled plan so that you would find mr waddington starting from wick on the hill and arriving at lechford in the thames valley turning up in the valley of the windlode or the speed you would find him on page twenty seven drinking ale at the Ligon arms in chipping kingdon and on page twenty eight looking down on the evesham plain from the heights south of cheltenham he would turn from this prospect and without traversing any intermediate ground be back again where you least expected him in his manner under wick on the hill for though he had no fixed plan he had a fixed idea and however far he rambled he returned invariably to wick to mr waddington wick on the hill was the one stable the one certain spot on the earth's surface and this led to his treating the map of gloucestershire entirely with reference to wick on the hill so that all his ramblings were complicated 
by the necessity laid on him of starting from and getting back to it so much barbara made out after she had copied the first forty pages making the first clearing in mr waddington's jungle the clearings she explained to ralph broke your heart it wasn't till you'd got the thing all clean and tidy that you realized the deep spiritual confusion that lay behind it after that fortieth page the ramblings piled and mixed themselves in three interpenetrating layers first there was the original layer of waddington then a layer of ralph superimposed on waddington and striking down into him then a top layer of waddington striking down into ralph first the primeval chaos of waddington then ralph's spirit moving over it and bringing in light and order then waddington again invading it and beating it all back to darkness and confusion from the moment ralph came into it the progress of the book was a struggle between these two principles and waddington could never let ralph be so determined was he to stamp the book with his own personality after all ralph said it is his book if he could only get away from wick so that you could see where the other places are she moaned he can't get away from it because he can't get away from himself his mind is egocentric and his ego lives in wick barbara had had to ask ralph to help her they were in the library together now working on the ramblings during one of mr waddington's periodical flights to london he thinks he's rambling round the country but he's really rambling round and round himself all the time he's thinking about nothing but his blessed self oh come he thought a lot about his old league no the league was only an extension of his ego that must have been what fanny meant we were looking at his portrait and i said i wondered what he was thinking about and she said she used to wonder and now she knew of course it's himself that's what makes him look so absurdly solemn yes but think of it think that man hasn't ever cared about anything or anybody but himself oh he cares about fanny no no he doesn't he cares about his wife a very different thing well he cares about his old mother he really cares yes and you know why it's only because she makes him feel young he hates hoary because he can't feel young when he's there why oh why did that angel fanny marry him because she isn't an angel she's a mortal woman and she wanted a husband and children wasn't there anybody else i believe not available the man she ought to have married was married already did my mother marry him yes and my mother married the next best one it was as plain and simple as all that and you see the plainer and simpler it was the more she realized why she was marrying horatio the more she idealized him it wanted camouflage i see then you must remember her people were badly off and he helped them he was always doing things for them he managed all fanny's affairs for her before he married her then he does kind things oh lots when he wants to get something he wanted to get fanny besides he does them to get power to get a hold on you it's really for himself all the time it gives him a certain simplicity and purity he isn't a snob he doesn't think about his money or his property or his ancestors he's got heaps quite good ones they don't matter nothing matters but himself how about his book doesn't that matter it does and yet again it doesn't he pretends he's only doing it to amuse himself 
but it's really a projection of his ego into the cotswolds on the other hand he'd hate it if you took him for a writing man when he's horatio bish waddington that's how he's got it into such a mess because he can't get away from himself and his manner proud of his manner anyhow oh yes not mind you because it's perfect tutor of the sixteenth century nor because the earl of warwick gave it to his great-grandfather's great-great-grandfather but because it's his manner horatio bish waddington's manner of course it's got to be what it is because any other sort of manner wouldn't be good enough for bish it's an extension of his ego too yes horatio's ego spreading itself in wings and bursting into ball-topped gables and overflowing into a lovely garden in a park there isn't a tree there isn't a flower that hasn't got bits of horatio in it if i thought that i should never want to see roses and larkspurs again it only happens in horatio's mind but it does happen so between them bit by bit they made him out and they made out the book here and there on separate slips were great outlying tracts of light contributed by ralph to be inserted and sketches of dark undeveloped stuff sprung from waddington to be inserted too neither ralph nor barbara could make them fit the only thing was to copy it out clear as it stood and arrange it afterwards and presently it appeared that two pages were missing one evening the evening of mr waddington's return looking for the lost pages barbara made her great discovery a sheaf of manuscript a hundred and twenty pages in ralph's handwriting hidden away at the back of the bureau crumpled as if an inimical hand had thrust it out of sight she took it up to bed and read it there a hundred and twenty pages of pure ralph without any taint of waddington it seemed to be part of mr waddington's book and yet no part of it for it was inconceivable that it should belong to anything but itself ralph didn't ramble he went straight for the things he had seen he saw the cotswolds round wick on the hill he made you see them as they were the high curves of the hills multiplied thrown off one after another the squares and oblongs and van dykes and spread fans of the fields and their many colours grass green of the pastures emerald green of the young wheat white green of the barley shining metallic green of the turnip the pink the brown the purple fallows the sharp canary yellow of the charlock and the trees the long processions of trees by the great grass-bordered roads trees furring the flanks and groins of the parted hills dark combs topping their edges ralph knew what he was doing he went about with the farmers and farmhands he followed the ploughing and sowing and reaping the feeding and milking of the cattle the care of the ewes and labour and of the young lambs he went at night to the upland folds with the shepherds he could tell you about shepherds he sat with the village women by their firesides and listened to their talk he could tell you about village women mr waddington did not tell you about anything that mattered she took the manuscript to ralph at the white hart with a note to say how she had found it he came running out to walk home with her did you know it was there she said no i thought i'd lost it you see what it is part of your book horatio's book but you wrote it yes that's what he fired me out for he got tired of the thing and asked me to go on with it he called it working up his material i went on with it like that and he wouldn't have it he said it was badly written jerky short sentences he'd have to rewrite it 
well i wouldn't let him do that and he wouldn't have it as it stood but it's beautiful alive and real what more does he want the stamp of his personality oh he'd stamp on it all right i'm glad you like it like it don't you ralph said he thought he'd liked it when he wrote it but now he didn't know you'll know when you've finished it i don't suppose i shall finish it he said but you must you can't not finish a thing like that i own i'd like to but i can't publish it why ever not oh it wouldn't be fair to poor old waddy after all i wrote it for him what on earth does that matter if he doesn't want it of course you'll finish it and of course you'll publish it well but it's all cotswold you see and he's cotswold if it is any good you know i shouldn't like to to well get in his way it's his game at least he began it it's a game two can play writing cotswold books no no it isn't and he got in first well then let him get in first you can bring your book out after and dish his no let it have a run first perhaps it won't have any run perhaps mine won't yours that heavenly book and his tosh don't you see that you can't get in his way if anybody reads him they won't be the same people who read you i hope not all the same it would be rather beastly to cut him out i mean to come in and do it better show how bad he is how frightful it would rub it in you know not with him you couldn't you don't know some brute might get up and hurt him with it oh you are tender to him well you see i did let him down when i left him besides it isn't altogether him there's fanny fanny she'd love you to write your book i know she'd think she would but she wouldn't like it if it made horatio look a fool but he's bound to look a fool in any case true i might give him a year or two years well then my work's cut out for me i shall have to make horatio go on and finish quick so as not to keep you waiting he'll get sick of it he'll make you go on with it me practically and quarrel with every word you write unless you can write so like horatio that he'll think he's done it himself and then you know he won't have a word of mine left in you'll have to take me out and we're so mixed up together that i don't believe even he could sort us you see in order to appease him i got into the way of giving my sentences a waddingtonian twist if only i could have kept it up well, i'll have to lick the thing into shape somehow there's only one thing you'll have to do you must make him steer a proper course this is to be the guide to the cotswolds you can't have him sending people back to lower wick manor all the time you'll have to know all the places and all the ways and i don't no but i do supposing i took you on my motor-bike would you awfully mind sitting on the carrier you think she said he'd let me go fanny will i could i think i work so hard in the mornings and evenings that they've given me all the afternoons we might go every afternoon while the weather holds out he said and then i say he does bring us together that was how barbara's happy life began part three he did bring them together in the terrible months that followed while she struggled for order and clarity against mr waddington who strove to reinstate himself in his obscure confusion barbara was sustained by the thought that in working for mr waddington she was working for ralph bevan the harder she worked for him the harder she worked for ralph 
with all her cunning and her little indomitable will she urged and drove him to get on and make way for ralph mr waddington interposed all sorts of irritating obstructions and delays he would sit for hours brooding solemnly equally unable to finish and to abandon any paragraph he had once begun he had left the high roads and was rambling now in byways of such intricacy that he was unable to give any clear account of himself when barbara had made a clean copy of it mr waddington's part didn't always make sense the only bits that could stand by themselves were ralph's bits and they were the bits that mr waddington wouldn't let stand the very clearness of the copy was a light flaring on the hopeless mess it was even mr waddington could see it do you think she said we've got it all down in the right order she pointed what's that she could see his hands twitching with annoyance his loose cheeks hung shaking as he brooded that's not as i wrote it he said at last that's ralph bevan he wasn't a bit of good to me there's there's no end to the harm he's done conceited fellow full of himself and his own ideas now i shall have to go over every line he's written and write it again i'd rather write a dozen books myself than patch up another fellow's bad work we've got to overhaul the whole thing and take out whatever he's done but you're so mixed up you can't always tell he looked at her you may be sure that if any passage is obscure or confused or badly written it isn't mine the one you've shown me for example then barbara had another of her ideas since they were so mixed up together that mr waddington couldn't tell which was which and since he wanted to give the impression that ralph was responsible for all the bad bits and insisted on the complete elimination of ralph she had only got to eliminate the bad bits and give such a waddingtonian turn to the good ones that he would be persuaded that he had written them himself the great thing was he said that the book should be written by himself and once fairly extricated from his own entanglements and set going on a clear path with barbara to pull him out of all the awkward places mr waddington rambled along through the cotswolds at a smooth easy pace barbara had contrived to break him of his wasteful and expensive habit of returning from everywhere to wick all through august he kept a steady course northeast north northwest by september he had turned due south he would be beating up east again by october november would find him in the valleys there was no reason why he shouldn't finish in december and come out in march mr waddington himself was surprised at the progress he had made it shows he said what we can do without ralph bevan and barbara seated on ralph's carrier explored the countryside and mapped out mr waddington's course for him she's worth a dozen ralph bevans he would say and he would go to the door with her and see her start you mustn't let yourself be victimized by ralph he said he glanced at the carrier do you think it's safe oh quite safe if it isn't it'll only be a bit more thrilling much better come in the car with me but barbara wouldn't go in the car with him when he talked about it she looked frightened and embarrassed her fright and her embarrassment were delicious to mr waddington he said to himself she doesn't think that's safe anyhow and as he watched her rushing away swaying exquisitely over a series of terrific explosions he gave a little skip and a half turn light and youthful in the porch of his manor End of chapter eight 
Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.